Good evening, everyone. This is the meeting of the San Francisco Commission on the Environment, and the time is 5.07 p.m. Note that the ringing of cell phones, pagers, and similar devices can still happen virtually and is still prohibited. Please turn your devices off. Due to the COVID-19 health emergency and to protect commissioners, department staff, and members of the public, the Commission on the Environment's meeting room 416 is closed. However, commissioners and department staff will be participating in the meeting remotely. This precaution is taken pursuant to the statewide stay-at-home order and all preceding and proceeding local, state, and federal orders, declarations, and directives. Commissioners will attend the meeting through video conference or by telephone if the video fails and participate in the meeting to the same extent as if they were physically present. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. SFGovTV.org is streaming the number up at the top of the screen and each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone by calling 1-415-655-0001 and entering access code 187-814-4525. When connected, dial star three to be added to the queue. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down any other devices. Alternatively, you may submit public comment by email to the department's commission affairs officer at environment at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commissioners and will be included as part of the official file. Now, now call the roll. President Stevenson? Here. Vice President Ahn? Here. Commissioner Bermejo? Here. Commissioner Sullivan? Here. Commissioner Wald? Here. And Commissioner Wan? Here. All right, President Stevenson, we have a quorum. Great, next item, please. Okay, we'll move on to item two, President's Welcome, and this item is for discussion. Good evening, everyone. The Commission on the Environment acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We recognize that the Ramatish Ohlone understand the interconnectedness of all things and have maintained harmony with nature for millennia. We honor the Ramatish Ohlone peoples for their enduring commitment to WAREP, Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. We recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community. As environmentalists, we recognize that we must embrace Indigenous knowledge in how we care for San Francisco and all its people. Thank you for your attention during that important acknowledgement. I also just want to take a moment to note that today is the one-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd. As we work to heal our climate and focus on our environmental goals, it's imperative that we also heal our communities and create a city and a planet where all San Franciscans can live whole, vibrant, and sustainable lives. So another Climate Action Month is in the books. And while I know we're all hoping that we'd be able to be together in person again, um, I still felt that our community came together to celebrate the earth and rally around exciting new climate commitments. Whether you're interested in gardening or in forever chemicals, there was truly an event for everyone and the department was able to reach a wide audience, which has been one benefit of virtual programming. I was able, I'm sorry, I have a cold, so I'm gonna be sniffly through this whole night. I was able to join the department's Earth Day celebration and hear from some familiar voices, including the president of the Board of Supervisors, Siobhan Walton, 
Shariah Souza of the American Indian Cultural District, and Daniel Tahara from the San Francisco Climate Emergency Coalition. And I can't think of a more exciting way to celebrate Climate Action Month than with a bold new climate commission, I'm sorry, climate commitments from Maryland and Breed. Not only was it incredible to see the Climate Action Month logo up on the screen at the Chase Center, but it was also energizing to hear her reinforce San Francisco's role as a leader in fighting for our climate. The timing could not be better for us to hear about the Climate Action Plan tonight, as well as proposed updates to Chapter 9 of the Environmental Code. As I'm looking forward to supporting some, and I'm looking forward to supporting some incredible organizations in our community through the Zero Waste Grants. I'd like to note that we're, we will be hearing items eight and nine on this agenda together, which will allow us to have a full discussion of both topics at the same time. And we'll be sure to call for public comment on each item individually. And finally, I wanna extend my congratulations to Commissioner Wan, who was reappointed to the commission for another term and was sworn in earlier today. Is there any public comment on the president's welcome? All right, I will share the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen. There we go. And just a reminder that public comment should be related to this agenda item, which is the president's welcome. And please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue. And give me one second to check for any callers. Doesn't look like we currently have any callers in the queue, but we'll take a quick pause in case anyone would like to call in. Right, I'm not seeing any callers in the queue. All right, Katie, next item, please. All right, moving on to item three, approval of minutes of the March 23rd, 2021 Commission on the Environment meeting. The explanatory document is the March 23rd, 2021 draft meeting minutes, and this item is for discussion and possible action. All right, commissioners, do I hear any discussion or a motion to approve the minutes? So moved. All right, moved by Commissioner Bermejo. Is there a second? Second. And seconded, I think, by Commissioner Wan. All right, is there any public comment on this item? All right, I will share the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen once again. Please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue and comments should be related to this agenda item, which is the approval of minutes. And I'm not currently seeing any callers in the queue, but we'll take another pause. not seeing any callers in the queue. All right, then let's go to a vote on this item, please. All right, I will call the roll call vote. President Stevenson. Aye. Vice President on. Aye. Commissioner Bermejo. Aye. Commissioner Sullivan. Aye. Commissioner Wald. Aye. And Commissioner Wan. Aye. All right, the motion passes. Next item, please, Kitty. All right, item four, general public comment. Members of the public may address the commission on matters that are within the commission's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. 
So, All right, we'll open it up for public comment. All right. Okay, I've just shared the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen for anyone who's joining via WebEx. Please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue and you will have three minutes to make your comment. And I am seeing that we have one caller in the queue and so I will pull up my timer and I will unmute our first caller and their three minutes will start now. Oh, good evening, commissioners. Uh, my name is uh, Georgia Sudish, and I live in Noe Valley. And um, I, as you probably all know, um, our, the rear yards in our residential neighborhoods are some of the greatest, is, are the greatest source of uh, tree canopy in the city, in the residential neighborhoods uh, throughout, more so even than Golden Gate Park and the other parks. Um, but what I'm noticing lately in these residential neighborhoods is that new projects, uh, particularly they're densifying, and I'm talking about typical lots in the R neighborhoods, the 25 by 100 or the 25 by 114 foot lots, are having full lot excavations and they're losing the natural rear yard because with these full lot excavations, they have to put in a lot of cement for shoring for the adjacent properties because everything is so close. So what happens sometimes it becomes like a, a bunker, a cement outdoor bunker uh, when this happens. And uh, not only the trees and growth are being lost, but the soil is being replaced by all these concrete bunkers and the retaining walls. So, and the thing is, at the Planning Commission, where these projects are approved, they really have no oversight or jurisdiction on uh, what happens in the rear yard, other than as long as the as, as the structure doesn't go out too far into it. So I I think it's something that I hope that you will talk to uh, the planning commission about, as well as as the BIC because that's maybe that's in the area too. And I didn't realize you had item number nine, and I don't know if anything like this is on there. But if I'm talking out of turn, I'm sorry. But I think it's it's a it's a, something that that needs to be looked at, and someone needs to figure out who's going to be responsible for what happens in our rear yards. As uh, especially if if the uh, policies to um, densify in the neighborhoods proceed, because it's kind of happening already. Anyway, that's it. Thanks a lot. Take care. Be well. Be safe. Bye bye. Thank you for your comment. Right, and I'm not seeing any additional callers in the queue. All right, and public comments closed. Next item, please, Katie. All right. Okay, moving on to item five, presentation of the Commission on the Environment Environmental Service Award to Tiffany Chu, and this item is for discussion. Great, I'm excited to present this Environmental Service Award, but it's a little bit bittersweet because we're losing Commissioner Chu as a commissioner. Tiffany Chu joined the Commission on the Environment for two, for two whole years and packed a lot into her time that benefited our city as well as our climate. She brought a valuable perspective from her background in urban planning, transportation, and design, and she dove into all aspects of the department's operations. Even before joining the commission, she was committed to helping cities plan their best transportation systems and making them more equitable. She co-founded Remix, an innovative company dedicated to doing just that, and they are now working with more than 350 cities around the globe. Commissioner Chu recognizes that addressing transportation is a key component to solving the climate crisis, and this came through in her work on our commission, as well as her involvement with the city's Congestion Pricing Policy Advisory Committee. 
I personally benefited from her steady expertise and planning insight as she asked pertinent and important questions in both our committee and full commission meetings. I will miss having her here with us virtually, and I know that our loss is Seattle's gain. With that, I'm pleased to join my colleagues in expressing gratitude to Tiffany for her commitment to our city and our planet and in presenting her with this award. Commissioners, would you like to add anything? Just a reminder that I can't see you all because of the center screen. So if you wanna raise your hand using the raise hand function, that would be the best way for me to be able to call on you. All right, Mike Sullivan, I can see you. Commissioner Sullivan. Sure, I will just um, second everything um, you said, um, Chair Stevenson. And uh, Seattle is one of those few places that occasionally does environmental stuff uh, a nanosecond before before San Francisco. We I think we're usually the first, but if, if we're not, then it's it's often Seattle. So I'm hoping that um, that the the, the soon-to-be ex commissioner can let us know when there's good stuff going on in Seattle. All right, uh, Director Rafael, I see your hand raised. Yeah, and I finally figured out how to raise my hand. Sorry about that. That is, oh yes, Tiffany, I can't believe you moved to Seattle. So um, we do we do like to say that we are part of the axis of good here in San Francisco, the axis of good being California, Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia. So Seattle is definitely part of the axis of good and we share, we share things all the time um, in terms of what's going on, but we do have a bit of a competition. And so I have to say, it, it, you know, I'm, it is great for Seattle, but I'm going to miss you. you. You've been a phenomenal commissioner. I, your curiosity, your um, integrity with which you uh, bring your intelligence to thinking about where we are now, where we need to go, have we thought about these things? I just really love the way your brain works and I've so enjoyed uh, getting to know you these last couple of years and I feel a little gypped because one of them, we had COVID. But my hope is that you will stay in touch, that we will continue to work together uh, and that you will remember us fondly as the commission that, that could and the commission that does and the commission that really believes with all its heart in, in what we're doing and you're such a big part of that. All right, any other comments, commissioners? Tiffany Chu, would you like to say, make any statements? Commissioner um, Bermejo may have her hand up for one more. Oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to talk, Tiffany. Commissioner Bermejo, sorry. Oh, I just wanna briefly echo the sentiments about having Commissioner Chu on our commission. And she was always eager to step up and um, you know represent us well. And just very that our loss is Seattle's gain. And I do hope that you will remain in touch with us and let us know what you're doing and come visit often. And who knows now that we can travel soon, we might just come visit you as well. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner. All right, Com former Commissioner too. would you like to share anything with us? Um, Yes, well, gosh, I wasn't expecting uh, such such kind words. Um, even though it's only been two years, I felt 
that it was um, a completely new experience to be on this commission and to be so close to Debbie's leadership um, and kind of observe her lead um, the staff in a department that, I mean, most cities around the world would, would die to have. So honestly, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. It's been a privilege. It's been an honor. And thank you to everyone who I've had the chance to work with um, and listen to and learn from. And I uh, invite you all to visit Seattle. Um, once the time comes, we'd be happy to welcome you with open arms. And a lot of the experience that I've had here on the commissioner uh, informing my community engagement and involvement um, in my new community. So thank you so much. And yes, please keep in touch. All right, is there any public comment on this item? All right, I will share the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen. And please be sure that any public comment is related to this agenda item, which is the Environmental Service Award to Tiffany Chu. And please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue. <clears throat> and I'm not currently seeing any callers in the queue, but we'll take a brief pause. I'm not seeing any callers in the queue. All right, thank you, Katie. And thank you, Tiffany, for all your service. Next item, please. Wait, President Stevenson, can I just yeah. say one last thing to, um, Go for to it. Tiffany? So because you see a virtual image of the award, but you will be getting a hard copy of the award whenever our um, whenever Katie can get back into the office and get <laughs> the actual physicality of the thing, put it in a frame and send it to you. So I'm hoping that you gave um, Katie a mailing address. So that's it. That's very generous. Thank you. All right. Next item, please, Katie. All right. Oops. Okay. There we go. Moving on to. Item six, presentation of the Commission on the Environment Environmental Service Award to Dan Flanagan, and this item is for discussion. All right, Commissioner Sullivan. Sure, I'm delighted to present this Environmental Service Award to Dan Flanagan, who's retiring as Executive Director of Friends of the Urban Forest. I've known Dan since he joined FOF more than 12 years ago, and I've been lucky to work with Dan and see him make a difference both at FOF as well as on the San Francisco Urban Forestry Council. I've been involved myself with Friends of the Urban Forest in one way or another since the late 1980s. And I can say without a doubt that since that time, no one has made a bigger impact on the organization or done more for San Francisco's urban forest than Dan Flanagan. Under Dan's leadership, Fuff planted almost 14,000 street trees, focusing tree plantings on neighborhoods that were historically underplanted. He also led Fuff's efforts to expand beyond street trees to creating sidewalk gardens now up to 1,100 sidewalk gardens for a total of 217,000 square feet of concrete converted to urban greenery. Dan has also been an effective and inspirational leader on the Urban Forestry Council. He's been a member of the council for 10 years and served as its very effective chair since 2013. But there's one more thing on Dan's list of accomplishments that in the end is probably the most impactful to San Francisco's urban forest. And that was the campaign to pass Prop E, now known as Street Tree SF, in November 2016. Dan was at the center of that successful campaign. Prop E passed with a remarkable 79% of the vote, 
And thanks to Street Tree SF and to Dan, all of San Francisco's 125,000 street trees are now getting the professional care that they need. And so with that, I'm pleased to join my colleagues in thanking Dan for his work and his leadership and for accomplishing all of the above with his characteristic humor and grace by presenting him with this Environmental Service Award. Director Rafael, would you like to say a few words? I would. Thank you, Commissioner Sullivan. Oh, man. You know, Dan, you, um, I like to say that one of my favorite phrases is wherever I go, there I am. And Dan, wherever you go, you bring this sense of passion and determination that is infectious. I've been around the table, many tables with you, where we were brainstorming, problem solving, determining what our priorities need to be, what our next steps need to be. And you have this ability to invite people in with you and while you invite them in, to push them forward, to push them to acknowledge what they're capable of and what's needed in the immediate immediacy um, of the situation. It's a phenomenal combination. It's incredibly effective. FUF has blossomed under you and solidified under you. The foundation that you are leading of that organization is so strong. And it's strong at a time when we really need to think about our urban canopies, our biodiversity, our nature in the city. So your, your impact on this city will live on for hundreds of years because of everything that you've created and the capacity that you have left for us to run with. So I'm super uh, grateful for the 13 years you, you decided to spend with Friends of the Urban Forest. And frankly, I know that whatever you decide next, wherever you go, there you'll be. And whoever it is that you're partnering with next is gonna be really lucky to have you. So congratulations, Dan. Dan, uh, I don't know if any other commissioners have, have additional comments. Yeah, I do actually. Um, okay. I, I'm, the, I'm the lucky, lucky um, homeowner who has a fluff tree out in front of my house and has one of those great um, sidewalk gardens as well. And what's, what was interesting about that experience for me was before I was even on the commission, but what was interesting about that experience for me is it made me really clue into where I see these planted all throughout the city and what neighborhoods they're in. And I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old now, and it's been such a part of apparently the conversation that I have about our buff tree that's out in front of our house that my kids, when we go around the city now, constantly remark on, this street doesn't have enough trees. This mm -hmm. street has so many good trees. It's like, I like this street. And, you know, and they'll, and they'll complain about, you know, four garages in a row where there's no place to put a tree. And it's 100% because of the efforts of Fuff. And I really appreciate your hard work through all these years and the legacy that you're leaving across our whole city. So thank you so much for your service. Any other comments from commissioners? All right, let's open it up to public comment, please. All right, I will share the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen. And please remember that a uh, comment should be related to this agenda item, which is the Environmental Service Award to Dan Flanagan, and comments um, can be three minutes. And give me one second while I check our queue. 
I'm not currently seeing any callers in the queue, but we'll take a brief pause. All right, and I'm not seeing any callers in the queue. All right, Dan, we would love to hear from you. Words of wisdom, any any sort of parting knowledge to leave us with? You're muted. Um, don't have anything more to add. I mean, I was blown away by the really kind things and wonderful things. And Debbie, what you said about me is I really want to write that down. I want to remember that because I don't remember. I don't. I don't see myself that way. Anyway, um, it's been an incredible uh, ride. I've loved working in conjunction with the Department of the Environment. Um, and, you know, I go back 10 years now. And one of the things that, you know, you say I did all these things. And I remember one, one comment that I read in the Chronicle once that Dan Flanagan planted 60,000 trees. Oh no, Dan, we might have lost you. Terrible timing. Dan, if you can hear us, you might want to try turning off your video. Okay, I can see you. But we can't hear you. <laughs> if you try to turn off your video, maybe the sound will come back on. I can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'll keep it quick. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I loved working in the Department of Environment. I had an incredible team. I had incredible history with Fuff. You know, Fuff had an amazing reputation and brand all throughout the city. Um, in you know, when, when you say I did all these things, it really was a whole front, bunch of folks at FUF that made all these things happen. And, you know, um, Commissioner Stevenson, when you talk about how your kids are so excited about trees now, that's probably the coolest thing I've heard in a long time, because that's really where, it, it, where it's important. And the mere fact that 10 years, well, 13 years ago, I think that I would never in my wildest dreams would think that the Department of the Environment would then focus on trees and their climate action plan. And that is such an important move. And I have to thank you all for understanding the vital role that trees do have. And, you know, I think that you folks are on the cutting edge. It has been, you know, I've worked with Peter, Katie, Mei Ling, Gordon, and they've been always, all of them have been incredibly high quality folks. So um, a lot of the things I have worked on it's because of them. So thank you all and keep up the incredibly important work. I'm not going anywhere, I still will live in San Francisco, but I do wanna take, take a breather. I don't wanna worry about budgets. I don't wanna worry about you know, making, you know, asking for big amounts of money. So I am looking forward to reading and running and writing. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you and I'm happy it worked. <laughs>
All right, Katie, next item, please. All right, moving on to item seven, discussion and possible action to approve resolution file number 2021-03-COE regarding funding for the San Francisco Zero Waste Grants. The sponsor is Deborah Raffeld, director, and the speaker is Sean Rosenmoss, senior environmental specialist for development and community partnerships. The explanatory documents are resolution file 2021-03-COE, San Francisco Zero Waste Grants and funding recommendations and the staff memo. And this item is for discussion and possible action. All right, Director Raffel. Thank you, President Stevenson. So this action item before you or potential action item for you is actually one of my favorite times um, in our commission process where we get to revel in the work of others so broadly. One of the most wonderful things I did in the last few days was read that list of who is getting funding on these zero waste grants. After I read it, I just thought that there is a deep culture of zero waste across San Francisco. It's not limited to a very narrow cross section of our city. That these grants that you're gonna be hearing about reflect the and not the or in terms of environmental benefits. Yes, they're all based on zero waste and the benefits besides zero waste are phenomenal for each one of them. So the last time we came before you was May of 2019, uh, feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, since that time, grantees have been working and delivering, new grantees have applied, uh, and now we come full cycle to where we present you with a summary of the applications, our best assessment of which projects are going to be funded and ask you to take action. So some of the things you'll see have familiar names, some are new names, uh, as it should be. And with all of that at the helm, we have Alexa Kielty and Sean Rosenmoss. And right now you're going to hear um, from Sean. So take it away, Sean. Uh, thank you. Um, hello, commissioners. It's so wonderful to see you. Um, so first, just some background. We issued an RFP on March 5th. We had slightly over a million dollars to give out in grant funding. We, we promoted this RFP to at least 1,500 1, organizations. DCYF put it out. A lot of other city departments were very happy to forward it for us. So we received 23 zero waste proposals and four proposals for youth education. So we received 27 proposals totaling uh, about $2.7 million. So as you imagine, it was highly, highly competitive and we have fabulous community-based organizations working in San Francisco, as you know. Um, so we whittled it down to 14 zero waste organizations. And I will tell you a little bit about them. I know that you have a long agenda. I will try and be quick. Debbie used the word, uh, revel in their accomplishments. I use the word cavell, which is a Yiddish word that is, it's like, I'm proud of them, but there's part of it is like, oh, and did I say that I know them? Because I do. So I'm just going to cavell a little bit about these organizations because they do some amazing work. So the Asian Pacific American Community Center will get funding to work in Sunnydale Public Housing um, or Sunnydale Housing Development to work on zero waste. It's a big issue 
there. And so um, they've, they've been granted funding before they do a great job. So we're excited to have them on board again. Next. And then the bike hut, uh, which is also an incredible program. They repair bikes. You know, they take, they take bikes out of the landfill or that would normally go to landfill. Not only do they keep them out of landfill, but they train youth on repairing bikes. They do workforce development and youth development. So again, fabulous organization. Next. The California Product Stewardship Council will be working with us to figure out some way to try and keep textiles out of landfill. As you know, this is a huge issue for us with our landfill. It's gotten worse as we have this disposable culture, right? Where clothes are really inexpensive. So they're gonna work with the goodwill. Again, workforce development, co-benefits to, to come up with some processes to keep clothes out of landfill and textiles out of landfill. So next, Charity Cultural Services Center. Oh my God, this is one of our favorite organizations. So they're gonna be working with youth, training youth on zero waste, Chinese um, American kids from Chinatown. And those youth will go out and work with their parents and work with other people in the community to train them on zero waste. So again, youth development, workforce development, the, the youth involved in the project are gonna get stipends. So just a great, a great wraparound program. Um, next, we have Farming Hope. So this is one, they have been feeding thousands and thousands of people since the pandemic started, because as you know, food security was an issue before and it became an even greater issue with the pandemic. So they're gonna be working on, um, again, keeping stuff out of the landfill, but trying to come up with a process so that instead of giving food out in disposable containers, they will be recyclable containers that can come back to the organization and be reused. Um, the other thing that is really fabulous about this is that connected to restaurants all over San Francisco. So not only will they be using this, but this will help us get a foot in the door to work with restaurants to also adopt this of, um, of using reusable to-go um, materials. So next, Garden for the Environment. We've been working with Garden for the Environment for so long, we just love them. Um, they're gonna work on training people on composting and doing backyard composting. But again, in addition to the composting, they train these gardening masters, right? And they have trained over a thousand people over the years who then go out and train a lot of other people. So you're getting a theme here, right? Um, because we are webbed all over the city. So next, uh, race to zero waste. They're gonna say that really fast. <laughs> They're gonna be giving out, they're gonna be setting up at places where people go and leave waste like Dolores Park and working on training people on, on you know, where things go, making videos, doing some, some PR stuff, some YouTube videos, some Instagram stuff around, here's where, here's where plastic goes, here's where compost goes. Um, and they're gonna be all over the city doing this at events all over the city. Um, and they are new, so we're excited to work with them. Uh, next, 
San Francisco Market Corporation. You may know this as the San Francisco Produce Market, right there in Bayview. Um, they will be taking produce that doesn't sell and getting that into the hands of people who really need that produce. So wrap around, again, food insecurity. This keeps food out of landfill and it serves food's purpose, right? Food's purpose is to be eaten. It's not to be composted and it's not to be landfilled. So, and of course it's healthy produce, which is great. Uh, next. San Francisco Community Recyclers Building Resources. If you haven't been, I encourage you to go in Bayview right off of Third Street. This is the only program in the city of San Francisco that recycles building materials. And it is really important for small businesses, for local contractors, for artists, for do-it-yourselfers. I shop there all the time. Um, so it's great building resources longtime partner for the Department of the Environment. Next, San Francisco New Deal. Another one that's been feeding people since the beginning of the pandemic. They operate for community feeding programs and they are another one that is going to be working with us on reusable containers for their meal services. Uh, next, uh, University of California. I don't know if you've heard of them, UCSF. Um, they're big, they're big um, organization. They produce a lot of waste and they do a lot of work and they do a lot of models for how you deal with that waste. So this one, they're gonna be working on those horrible disposable gowns that, that, you know, that you put in your little toxics thing whenever you go to have an x-ray. So they're gonna be working on, instead of using disposable surgical gowns, they have reuse gowns, reuse operating room towels, um, and looking for alternatives to foam products. And these are the foam products that people stand on when they're doing operations, right? So anything that hospitals are using that is disposable, they work year after year to look at, okay, what are some alternatives to that? That's what they're gonna be doing this year. And model that for, imagine modeling that for hospitals all over the country, right? Which is what they do. We're leaders. Um, so next, the YMCA of San Francisco, another new one for us. We're very excited because as you probably know, they have branches all over the city. They're gonna be having a reuse center. And so it will provide a lot of materials for, um, for reuse within the branches, but also for the community. I'm hoping one of the things that they will take on are, are cleats or soccer cleats. So anyone can go and get the next size up of their soccer cleats, but they're gonna be using a lot of other things. Office supplies will be turned into art materials. Um, that is an exciting project. And again, you know, so many co-benefits because the YMCA works with so many people in San Francisco. So with that, I am gonna turn it over to Gianna who is gonna tell you about our youth education grantees. Thank you, Sean. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, I manage the K through 12 environmental education program and uh, wanted to share with you our two youth education awards. So next. Um, first, we'll be awarding Literacy for Environmental Justice for their uh, Eco Adventures program. So they will 
um, serve our District 10 schools, so our public schools that they have longstanding relationship with, uh, and offer them youth connection, field trips, and um, adventures in their native uh, nursery to connect them to um, environmental justice and climate action, and how to do that with uh, zero waste principles. So we're excited to fund them again. And then next, um, we'll be fun funding, this is a new grantee for us, the Center for, Center for Urban Education and Sustainable Agriculture. So they run a um, workforce development program with teens um, at three high schools. And so they will be um, serving as a partner with us and focusing primarily on teaching the um, the young students how to cook and uh, food, like reduce food waste as well as connect to their school gardens and composting um, and selling at farmers markets. So they will reach over 200 uh, youth throughout the, the two years as well. Um, so we're excited to be partnering with both uh, organizations. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna second what Director Rafael said at the beginning, which is that this is one of the best days um, of commission meetings because I remember the first time that this came to the commission, my first you know few years on the commission, just thinking that you know we have this access to touch so many lives through these efforts. And what I love about this is, I mean, I was just making notes while you were going through the whole list. It was like, oh, there's kids, there's food, there's built environment, there's like health and hospitals. And it's just such an interconnected web. And I think that um, when you look at something that might seem sort of scientific and, and uh, I don't know, it's going to be zero wastey. And you look at how it, this turns into actual like human interaction and human impact. I think that it's a pretty remarkable thing. And I think I really want to just um, commend all the work by everyone in the department going through what I'm sure was probably an arduous process of trying to figure out how to, how to grant and how to cut down um, to drill down to the ones that we wanted to give the grants to. So thank you for that work. Commissioners, are there any questions or comments? Uh, hi, this is Sarah. Sorry, I, my connection got bad, so I turned off my video for a little bit. Um, I just want to, again, uh, thank you for all the community partners and allies for applying to the grant and also really be a champion. Um, of course, I especially want to shout out to community that are serving Chinatown community, the monolingual immigrant community, and also uh, with the uh, always under-resourced, underserved community. So really, thank you for the work and we really count on you to make sure that our zero waste goal could be achieved. Thank you. All right, Katie, let's open it up to public comment, please. Okay, we can open for public comment. Um, also, um, just to note that this item is also for um, possible action. Um, in case we wanted to take a motion before. Yeah, um, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's um, open for, can, do I hear a motion to approve the grants? All right, Commissioner Wald moves. Jenny, one second. 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 Commissioner Mayo and Commissioner Sullivan, but I heard Commissioner Mayo first. Seconds. All right, now let's go to public comment. Thanks for the reminder, Katie. All right, give me one second. Oops. 
share the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen in case anyone would like to call in to comment on this item, which is the zero waste grants. And just a reminder that you will have three minutes to make your comment. And I do see that we have a couple callers in the queue. So give me one second, I'll pull up my timer and I will unmute our first caller and their three minutes will start now. Hello, commissioners. Uh, this is Eric Brooks with uh, the local grassroots organization, Our City San Francisco, and also with Californians for Energy Choice. So I'm glad to see that this program is getting grants moving forward to improve uh, beyond what it's already doing, which is, of course, some good work. But I wanted to raise a criticism. Uh, last night, I went down to take out my recycling and my uh, compost in my apartment building, which is pretty large. And I'm sure most apartment buildings are like this, especially large ones. The, the situation down in my basement was a disaster. I mean, people do not know how to do recycling and compost. And they need, there are some little tiny messages on the bins that explain to you, usually in just one language, what to do, and it's not working. It, uh, I decided to try to clean up some of the mess last night, and it was unreal what I had to go through. And so we need, in all apartment buildings, we need big signs behind the recycling bins, behind the compost bins, explaining in multiple language with visuals exactly how people are supposed to use those bins because they think anything that's made out of plastic can go into plastic recycling, they think that they should put their compost in regular plastic bags before they put it in the compost bins. You know, those are just examples. There are multiple problems. I am guessing, based on my own building experience, which I've noticed this many times before, that there are a lot of buildings that are just a mess with this and that the recycling center and the composting center are not able to properly handle this stuff. So, so it's great that this is moving forward, but please do do something aggressive to have big signs. If you need to get something passed by the Board of Supervisors, people like me will be willing to help do that. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. All right, and we do have an additional caller in the queue, and so I will unmute them and their three minutes will start now. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Christine Farron. I'm the director of education for QUESA. As mentioned in the presentation, we're going to be a new recipient, if approved, for the funds for our youth education program, Foodwise Teens. So this is just a happy call where I'm saying thank you um, to see the list of other grantees or potential grantees and to be a part of that list is very rewarding for us, having run this youth development program with the lens of sustainable food systems and job education and food literacy and food justice and all of the intersection of all those things. We've been doing this for 10 years and, and we're to see our name alongside some of those other uh, brother and sister nonprofits who are also doing the good work in the city was just very rewarding and I really appreciate all that you're doing and I appreciate that you are investing in youth specifically through these mechanisms. So thank you very much. End of my comments. Thank you for your comment. Right, and it doesn't look like we have any additional callers in the queue. 
Okay, let's close public comment and move to a vote. All right. Stop sharing my screen. Okay, there we go. All right, President Stevenson. Aye. Vice President Ahn. Aye. Commissioner Bermejo. Aye. Commissioner Sullivan. Aye. Commissioner Wald. Um, Commissioner Wald? Aye. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and Commissioner Wan. Aye. All right, the motion passes. Next item, please. Thank you to all of the participants in the grants. All right, uh, moving on to the next item. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, we will be hearing items eight and nine together. Um, so item eight, a presentation on the development of the department's climate action plan. The sponsor is Deborah Rafael, director, and the speakers are Cindy Comerford, climate program manager, and Rich Shen, senior environmental specialist, and Laura Feinstein, Spur sustainability and resilience policy director. And this item is for discussion. And item nine, discussion and possible action regarding a resolution urging the board of supervisors to support a proposed ordinance amending the environment code to update the city's climate action goals and planning process and establish departmental roles and responsibilities. The sponsor is Mike Sullivan, commissioner, and the speaker is Cindy Comerford, climate program manager. The explanatory documents are resolution file number 2021-04-COE, Ordinance amending the environment code to update the city's climate action goals and planning process and establish departmental roles and responsibilities and the legislative legislative digest and this item is for discussion and possible action. Thank right. you, Katie. Thanks. Uh, as you all know, the de development of the climate action plan is well underway and tonight we're going to get an in depth look at that process. We're going to hear from Cindy and Rich about all the amazing work and collaboration that they've done. And this is closely connected to the proposed updates to chapter nine of the city's environment code. So I'm excited to have the opportunity, opportunity to discuss these topics together. As some of you know, the policy committee got to hear about the changes to chapter nine at our meeting on May 10th. At that time, the ordinance had not been introduced yet at the board of supervisors. So it wasn't the right time for us to consider recommending a commission resolution. The ordinance was introduced on May 18th. So now is the perfect time for us to consider these updates. We'll be hearing presentations on both the climate action plan and the proposed updates to chapter nine. And then I look forward to our discussion around the resolution. So I'll turn it over now to Cindy and Rich, and then we'll hear from Laura Feinstein, the sustainability and resilience policy director at SPUR about her experience joining one of the workshops that was held in December. Cindy and Rich. Great, thank you, Commissioner Sullivan. Um, Katie, can you give me a thumbs up if you can hear me? Great. So I apologize for not having any video. Um, I've had some internet outages the last hour, so I've been panicking, but I've able to call in. So uh, please bear with me um, and thank you everyone this evening. Uh, again, my name is Cindy Comerford. I'm the program manager for the Department of Environment. Um, and for this presentation, we are going to give a climate action update. So um, as Commissioner Sullivan said, this will include both an update on Chapter 9 of the Environment Code, which is an ordinance amending the code um, to update the city's climate action goals and planning process, along with department roles and responsibilities. And then I will turn it over to my colleague, Rich Chen, to talk about um, all of the wonderful, amazing work that we have done um, in developing the climate action plan. So if we go to the next slide, um, this slide shows the agenda for this evening. 
So I'm going to give a brief summary of Chapter 9. Um, we spoke about it at the Policy Commission, and then we do have a, a resolution um, for your consideration. Um, we'll take the resolution at the very end of the presentation, but I just wanted to let people know in advance that will be coming. And then Rich will talk a little bit about the development of our Climate Action Plan, um, the collaboration between our stakeholders and city departments, and also some of the wider community benefits. Um, and then next, we'll hear from uh, Laura Feinstein at SPUR, and we're happy to take any questions and discussion. So next slide. So first, I'd like to provide a little bit of an overview of the development of Chapter 9. So we started um, on the revision to this legislation in September of 2019 in conjunction with other city departments. And we did some very limited stakeholder engagement. Uh, we had a final draft ready to go in February of 2020, and then the COVID pandemic hit, um, and we ended up taking a pause. And this pause um, actually ended up being very uh, advantageous for our department. Um, we really had an opportunity to develop more detailed climate models. It provided us an opportunity to do more extensive outreach and then it advanced some really important concepts, which I'll discuss as we go through the presentation. So next slide. So just to start off, I want everyone to understand the relationship between Chapter 9 of the Environment Code and the Climate Action Plan and what we'll be doing after the Climate Action Plan um, is completed. So what Chapter 9 does, it actually, it sets the city uh, targets and goals. So our greenhouse gas targets and our climate action goals. It also sets the requirements and the re uh, responsibilities for the climate action plan. And it really kind of develops the framework for the climate action plan. So this legislation, which I'll be talking about next, has been introduced by uh, Mayor London Breed, and it will need to be approved by the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. So that's chapter nine. And so the Climate Action Plan is really the implementation document of Chapter 9. Um, so it is the strategies and actions that we're going to put forth as a city to realize our goals and targets. And it will also have all of the detail in there. So the implementation criteria um, of timeline, cost estimate, city leads, um, all of the benefits. And then it will also uh, develop our key performance indicators and our equity metrics. And this will help us kind of determine what does this success look like. And after the plan is then released, we will have a public facing dashboard um, that will track our progress. And so we'll continue to report on uh, the progress, the successes, and whether we need to change course around our strategies and actions. So this kind of frames our kind of trajectory. So next, I'm going to talk about a little bit about Chapter 9. Next slide. So why are we updating Chapter 9? Um, so Chapter 9 serves as a really unique opportunity to unify the city and all of our stakeholders around the same goals. So it really helps us set the expectations for the future um, for us, for our citizens, for our partners, our um, businesses. Um, so it's, it really serves as an uh, important signal um, to the city. It's an opportunity for us to set science-based targets. 
So these are emission reduction targets aligned with our 1.5 degrees Celsius scenarios or the Paris Agreement. Um, it really enables the city to take the next step on climate action by providing a very clear and concrete framework around climate action goals. And lastly, it offered our department an opportunity to really simplify and align the legislative language. So if we go to the next slide, this shows the key components of Chapter 9. So what it does is it updates our greenhouse gas emission reduction targets and climate action goals. Um, it updates the requirements for our climate action plan. It updates the roles and responsibilities of the city departments and also adds in criteria for long-term monitoring, evaluation, and reporting. So if you go to the next slide, this shows what the original version of Chapter 9 looked like in 2008. So we can see the emission targets, and those are reductions from our 1990 baseline. So we can see we were looking for a 35% reduction by 2017, a 40% reduction by 2025, and an 80% reduction by 2050. So I'm uh, excited to announce that our 2019 greenhouse gas inventory, which was released last month, we had achieved a 41% reduction um, around our baseline. And while this is very exciting news, um, it's definitely not time for complacency. Um, it's really time for us to establish new goals and to really keep pushing hard for the policies, the funding, and investment decisions um, that we need to really match the scale of the problem we're faced with around the climate crisis. And so we establish new ambitious goals by looking at reducing our greenhouse gas uh, emissions from sector-based inventory by 61% and a new net zero goal of being net zero by 2045, which would equate to a 90% reduction from our 1990 levels. So that's um, our new targets that we're setting. And then um, what the pause did in the legislation, it allowed us um, a lot more time to develop our consumption-based inventory. And so the work that we have done um, with our Cool Climate Network and Dr. Chris Jones. We've done a lot of research and we were able to add in consumption-based greenhouse reductions too. And so those reductions will look at more scope three emissions. So we are looking at a um, proposing a 40% reduction by 2030 and an 80% reduction by 2050. Um, and I just wanna note that all of the work that we've done on Chapter 9 has not been in isolation. Um, it's been in collaboration with many city departments. Um, the named city departments are on the bottom of your slide. And so we really had an opportunity to co-create this legislation together, um, which has, you'll hear more about um, the collaboration in the Climate Action Plan, but it really will support us for implementation and long-term success of um, not going about this alone. And then the next slide uh, shows our 21 specific goals that we're adding in. Uh, these are long-term targets. We are looking at you know, 9, 15, 20 years out. So we've also established uh, specific goals around different sectors. And so I'm not going to read all of these because it 
tends to get a little laborious, but um, you know, these are some of the goals that I just want to point out that are um, really exciting. One, in our energy supply that we're looking to have by 2025, 100% renewable electricity, which is great. Um, we have passed for building operations. We passed our all-electric new construction ordinance, which is going to be implemented next week, starting June 1st. All new permits for new construction will be zero-emission buildings. And we're looking to the next step. You know, how do we um, start to decarbonize uh, existing commercials, starting with making sure that all of our large existing commercial buildings are zero emission by 2035. We've also added in a housing sector into our climate goals, making sure that we are producing the housing we need for our residents and supporting future growth by adding infill housing that also reduces emissions. So, some really exciting goals that will be in our climate action plan that will be supported by new strategies and actions. And so I believe that is my last slide. And I just wanna make sure though. So. Yes, and so that's kind of an overview on, uh, on chapter nine. And so next I'm very excited to introduce my colleague, Rich Chen, who has served as the project manager for the Climate Action Plan. And I know we have all heard the phrase herding cats. Um, and Rich has been herding the climate cats all around the city to come together and focus on this enormous task of uh, developing our 2021 Climate Action Plan. So I wanna um, publicly thank Rich for all his dedication and troubleshooting and um, let him talk about the work he's doing. Thank you, Cindy, so much. And hello, commissioners. Um, my name is Rich Chen, a senior environmental specialist with the Climate Program. And I'm very excited to be here to share with you an update on the progress we've made updating the Climate Action Plan, or CAP, and where we hope to go next. Um, it has been my honor to serve as a Climate Action Plan Program Manager over the past near two years. And I couldn't have done it alone. Um, they're more than cats. They're other city staff and technical experts and community and business stakeholders and everyone else who took the time to engage and contribute to the effort. So I'm very grateful for all the support. Um, next slide, please. So um, apologies for this very boring, bland looking slide, but Hopefully you can bear with me as I walk you through this, as I think it's a pretty simple way to explain our, our process in developing the climate action plan. So first and foremost, follow the data, the annual greenhouse gas inventory and supporting data serves as our foundation, pointing us to where we need to focus. And for us, it's primarily energy buildings and transportation and land use. Um, we also look at data from all the work that other departments are doing to gain more knowledge and help us develop better solutions. As Cindy mentioned also, we're introducing the consumption-based emissions inventory, which um, hopes to expand our view to address other sources of emissions and was used to inform the development of the responsible production and consumption sector strategies. 
Number two, build on experience. I think this is really important to me personally, um, and it acknowledges that we're not starting from scratch. We've been doing much of this work in various forms over the past near 20 years, and there's a lot of valuable experience to leverage and to learn from. Um, yet at the same time, we know we needed to be doing much more and we need to be responsive to the many changes occurring in our world that present new challenges as well as opportunities. Number three, center equity. Um, we decided this from the outset that the plan must also work to advance equity while um, reducing emissions and getting to zero emissions citywide. And we did some of our early learnings from a grant project called Zero Cities, where we connected with community leaders to deepen our knowledge and approach to climate equity. And from that experience, um, key staff from the department created the Racial and Social Equity Assessment Tool, or RCET for short, especially for the CAP. And I'll talk more about that later. It's been a very key component of our development process. Leveraging complementary efforts, this is very much related to number two. Um, this is important as the urgency of the climate emergency means we must leverage all supporting and complementary efforts. So some key examples are working with the planning department and the MTA who are updating Connect SF, which is San Francisco's long range transportation plan. Um, working with the transportation authority and bringing in elements of congestion pricing working with the planning department to integrate key ideas from the housing and transportation element updates that are currently underway. And SFE-led work streams that we're bringing in include the EV roadmap, our building electrification efforts, urban forestry and biodiversity, zero waste, and so on. Next, um, convene and engage. We convened many city department uh, working groups, including staff from key departments who poured time and creativity and uh, knowledge into, into the process. And along the way, we also conducted various forms of targeted stakeholder engagement, including things like the Zero Emissions Building Task Force. And as part of that, the Anchor Partner Network, where we specifically had a process to work with um, community stakeholders to identify equity priorities for residential building decarbonization. Other examples include um, multiple transportation and land use focus groups during the development phase and key staff from our teams providing regular updates to policy bodies, for example, the Urban Forest Council, et cetera. Um, next, develop strategies and analyze impacts. Um, the technical working groups with the support of key stakeholders identified high impact opportunities to reduce emissions through a mix of best practices, existing, existing department goals and existing leverage points. And based on those early drafts and informed by feedback, the team um, worked internally or with consultants to calculate preliminary greenhouse gas reduction estimates for buildings and transportation and made updates as strategies were modified through ongoing engagement. Throughout the process, we applied the racial and social equity assessment tool analysis and had rigorous working sessions with staff to refine equity language. We're also collecting information as, um, such as high level costs, feasibility, and capacity to implement the strategies. 
engage with public. I'll speak more about this later, but we just completed a robust online community engagement process for the Climate Action Plan. This was meant to educate the broader public, share the draft strategies and actions, and collect feedback about community priorities, ideas to improve equity, and for future implementation. Refine and update based on feedback. That's currently underway. We're wrapping it up now. We received a tremendous amount of feedback from our workshops, from the online open house. We've methodically gone through every comment that we received and we are incorporating changes based on the feedback that we got. Um, next, very excited to say that hopefully soon we'll be close to publishing and adopting the plan. And then of course, uh, where the rubber meets the road is really implementing the plan. And that's, I'll, I'll just have to say that's gonna take a huge collective effort from the city family, from the community, from business to come together and kind of make some hard choices about the investments that Cindy was referring to, um, policy changes that are going to be required and just working together to implement the plan successfully. Um, one last note, much of this work was done last year during COVID. It's obviously impacted everyone, certainly had a big impact on this process. Um, we lost staff because they had to be called on to be disaster service workers. Um, school closures impacted our capacity. And we actually lost some key funding from departments who were, um, their budgets were being hit. So we had to scramble and figure out plan Bs for doing some of the technical analysis, but everyone really pulled together. And again, I'm super thankful for, for everyone's support. Next slide, please. So this is quickly going over our timeline, where we've been and where we are. Um, the climate emergency resolution passed by the board almost two years ago really kicked off this process. And that was followed by the publication of the Focus 2030 report, which SFE put out, which kind of showed, is it possible to get to net zero emissions by 2050? And the answer was, yes, we can get very, very close, but it didn't really talk about the specific actions that we needed to take. And that's what the climate action plan is. Um, at the same time, we were concluding certain engagement processes, such as the Zero Emissions Building Task Force. And then following that, the technical working groups were formed and the process I previously outlined kicked in leading us to this point. Um, again, we're on track to have a plan completed and out um, sometime midsummer of this year. Next slide. Just another note about collaboration. Um, this is not a complete list and sorry for the small font, but we, did, we have engaged with a lot of folks along the way. Um, this is all prior to going out to the public with our community engagement process. These are city departments working together, technical working groups. We engage with state uh, and other regional agencies and entities. And then a lot of community stakeholders and a lot of private sector entities we consulted with, engaged with in various um, engagement formats. And we've learned from all of those um, discussions and those all inform our approach to how we develop the strategies and actions. Next slide. Um, finally, as mentioned earlier, climate solutions must also address racial and social equity, as well as health, just transition, economic recovery and resilience. So the racial and social equity assessment tool that was developed 
was designed to help us evaluate draft climate actions through these four lenses, which are part of our framework for the climate action plan. First, the tool considers the root causes of disparities created by racial inequity and helps to shape strategies to reduce or eliminate those disparities and expand the equitable distribution of benefits. Next, climate action and its causes have wide ranging health impacts, especially to our most vulnerable residents. So actions have been crafted to reduce those effects. A just transition and economic recovery expands opportunities for all San Franciscans to find meaningful work. We wanna make sure both our transition to a low carbon economy and our economic recovery creates pathways to jobs that support our communities. And finally, we need to make sure our climate actions also advance the city's adaptation and resilience goals, the ability to anticipate, prepare for, and respond to hazards of all types, including the impacts of climate change, will just help us better cope with these risks. Next slide. Um, I believe this is my last slide. Just a little bit on the engagement process we just completed. Um, it was um, occurred from mid-December to March uh, the end of March, and we obviously did everything online. We would have loved to have been able to meet people in person and do big whiteboards and sticky notes and everything, but we did our best, and I think we learned a lot about the process. In fact, I think we built a lot of great capacity within the department to do online engagement. Um, it felt like a successful effort, and but I think we still have work to do to make sure we're reaching everyone that we can especially digitally, Dig digitally, it's challenging. Um, the process kicked off with a webinar featuring Mayor Breed and other city leaders. I think it attracted over 700 viewers. And then over the course of three and a half months, we hosted 10 public workshops, including in-language workshops in Spanish and Chinese, and an early English language workshop that we partnered with Laura and Spur on, which was great. We also had 11 pop-up community presentations and over the course of all of this, we reached 238,000 people, which includes people who just saw media posts or visited the website and actively engaged 5,777 people, meaning people took a survey, attended a workshop or presentation, provided comments in the online open house or interacted with social media content. So all in all, I think we've done a pretty good job given the circumstances. Um, and again, we've, we're, we're so appreciative of like everyone spending the time with us from city to public to other stakeholders. And um, I think we're in a good place. We have a lot of work to do to finalize all the loose ends for the plan, but we're on track and I'm really looking forward to hearing the discussion and questions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rich, and thank you for all your work again. Um, we've really come a long way. And like Rich said, we are kind of at the last mile, which everyone knows is always seems to be the hardest part of the marathon. So um, we look forward to coming back um, after the climate action plan is completed um, in late summer um, to showcase all of the wonderful work that we've done and so um, kind of just our trajectory of next steps, um, we are going to um, chapter nine was introduced uh, by the mayor last week. It will go to the board of supervisors 
in late June or July. Um, we're hoping it will be formally adopted um, by the end of the summer. And once Chapter 9 is formally adopted by the Board of Supervisors, um, we will release the Climate Action Plan. So like probably August, September, and hopefully that will time really well with our fall commission meeting where we can come back with the final plan. Um, so before we go to discuss um, the resolution for Chapter 9, um, I, it's my great honor to introduce Laura Feinstein. So as part of our climate action communication strategy, we developed a climate community council. And this climate community council had identified 11 leaders um, from San Francisco community-based organization that really uh, represented a range of target demographics. And their goal was to really help us uh, promote the climate action plan, recruit participants, and help us with our outreach strategies. And so um, with that, I'd like to introduce Laura Feinstein um, from SPUR to talk a little bit about her uh, experience around the climate action plan. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'll just introduce myself really quickly. Um, so I'm with SPUR. In case uh, you aren't familiar with SPUR, SPUR is a think tank um, based in the Bay Area that works at a, on a number of different issues, including housing, uh, good government, and sustainability and resilience. Um, and I'm the Sustainability and Resilience Director at SPUR, and I was invited to serve on the Community Climate Council. Um, and uh, got the opportunity to attend a couple of very well-facilitated workshops um, for the Community Climate Council where we discussed mainly the public outreach strategy, how to best present the Climate Action Plan to a broad cross-section of San Franciscans. And then we were also trained in how to distribute the information, how to communicate about the Climate Action Plan. And then SPUR also had the opportunity to co-host one of the series of workshops that Department of Environment held on the Climate Action Plan. So we did that in December. We had 40 attendees. So of the 5,777 that Department of Environment actively engaged, 40 of those you can attribute to our SPUR workshop. So it was small but mighty. Um, we had, I think, five breakout sessions where people had the opportunity to directly have a conversation with Department of Environment staff and consultants um, to dig in on one of the main topics within the Climate Action Plan. And then um, following up on that workshop, everybody received information on how to attend future workshops and how to comment in the open house on the Climate Action Plan. So it was a, it was a great opportunity. You know, of course, SPUR um, is very supportive of everything that San Francisco is doing on climate. And so it was a great opportunity to get to work in, in partnership with Department of the Environment. Thank great. you. Cindy, do you, you have any final things that you wanna wrap up before we go to discussion? Um, just two things. I just wanna thank Laura for really being a leader in the climate space and uh, for going the extra mile for hosting the workshop. Um, and so that concludes our presentation. And then the last thing we have, uh, Commissioner Stevenson, is that we have a resolution for your consideration. Um, which or, uh, urges the Board of Supervisor to support the changes to Chapter 9 
and we're happy to answer any questions. Um, as I said, the ordinance was introduced by the mayor last week, so now is a, a perfect opportunity to take comments and uh, convey your support. Okay, thank you all for the presentations and the conversation. Um, and I have to say, seeing the Cindy, one of the first slides that you had that had sort of the the framing of um, how we, you know, the the chapter nine then the climate action plan and then the sort of the dashboard and the reporting on it. I think that was really helpful. Just seeing that framed out that way was really helpful for me. And I was really pleased to see the public facing dashboard as part of that. I think that if there's one thing that I've learned during COVID, it's that my, um, my need to sort of stay connected to what the city's doing and how we're performing against something has been really acute. And I think that having that same attitude toward our climate goals is really important. I do, I log in and check our vaccination, you know, percentages several times a week, like those, those front facing dashboards that the city's pulled together um, and that they pulled together in a really quick order, I think um, have shown that, you know, we can get people, I think, to feel more a part of something when they can see that their efforts are making a difference. And so I think that I was really pleased to see that dashboard as part of it. Um, I have a couple questions and then I wanted to open it up to everyone's questions. How often do we need to do this? So you look at, you know, 2008 and it was originally put forward and then we just were, were amending or changing and, and redoing those goals. Is there a time frame in which we think that we need to reassess this? And d does the plan include sort of triggers that might um, cause us to reassess or to look at those goals and maybe modify them or um, improve them or change them? That's a great question. So within chapter nine, uh, it would require the city to update its climate action plan every five years. So I think the um, having a climate action plan updated on a more regular schedule will provide us with an opportunity to have insight to what's working, what's not working, and see if we need to um, revise our goals. That's great, thank you. Um, I think I have one other question. Um, there was a comment made that the we had to kind of plan B our technical analysis due to budget constraints, um, that, that there were some budget changes that happened. I think Richard, you, you made mention of that. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Sure. Um, one of our key partners is the SF, SFMTA and we know what, all, what happened when COVID hit, revenues lost from riders that just weren't taking transit anymore had a very direct and strong impact on their budget for the, that fiscal year. Um, tough cuts were being made and <clears throat> just there was some consultant money that had been sort of set aside to work with um, a consultant to, to do the technical analysis to quantify, basically to, to help us write the entire transportation and land use chapter and do the technical analysis um, unfortunately, that got cut. Um, so that's what the plan B was. We ended up needing to do everything um, in-house, which was a very labor-intensive process with all of the you know, key agencies involved. People were amazing. Um, and then thankfully for the specific um, quantification of the impacts of our strategies, 
the transportation authority through a contract that they had for a complimentary project basically was able to carve out a little bit of consultant time to help us model the impacts of our draft strategies and actions. So again, we just kind of came together, figured out a way forward and everyone really pitched in to, to make it work. So again, very grateful. Thank you, I appreciate the explanation. All right, commissioners, questions, comments? Anyone from policy want to jump in about, I know you've had a deeper dive on this. Commissioner Sullivan. Thank you, um, Chair Stevenson. I just wanted to start out by uh, saying how grateful I am to, uh, to the, the department and especially uh, Cindy and Rich for their, their work on, the, uh, on both the, the action plan and also on revised chapter nine and especially to Rich for hurting the climate cats. That, that was a lot of work I'm sure and especially um, you know, under-resourced probably. So. Thank you very much for all of that. I was, um, as Commissioner Stevenson said, uh, I'm also very happy to, to see that um, both the, the CAP and the and revised uh, Chapter 9 provide for a, a dashboard and also uh, monitoring, evaluation, and reporting, reading from Section 907. And the, the Chapter 9 is going to provide for a, a public report every two years. But I'm wondering, is the dashboard going to give us uh, the opportunity to to check progress within those two-year timeframes? That's a great question, Michael. So what we have done is during the process of developing our strategies and actions, we have asked departments for how we best measure success. So we are developing uh, equity metrics and also key performance indicators. And so it really will depend on the availability of that data, the availability and frequency of that data. My best guess right now is that it will be updated on a yearly basis, um, but probably no less than that. So like we look at the greenhouse gas inventory, it's about a six to seven month process to collect that data and post it. And we do that on an annual basis. Um, so there's some indicators if we do have them more frequently and it's easy to update, we absolutely will. Um, but then, you know, some data around um, like vehicle miles traveled is, is more updated on an annual basis. So I think we're feasible. We'll try to keep the information as current and as relevant as possible. That that's great. I, I love the aggressive goals in the in the in the action plan, and and I really like the idea of of the dashboard as a way to kind of keep our feet to the fire uh, as, we, as we see how we're doing against those aggressive goals. And then my last question is uh, to do a little bit of a, a deep dive on the, um, the electric vehicle targets. So the, uh, was it 30%? No, 25% by 2030 and 100% by 2040. Are those numbers um, kind of ownership numbers like registrations? or are they sales? What, what do those represent? And, and do you have any idea where we are right now? I realize that could be an unfair question, but if you have any, any general sense as to where we might be sitting here today, that would be great to know. Um, so those numbers represent private vehicles registered. So it would be DMV registrations is how we would measure progress against those goals. And I'm gonna take, we are, well under 10%. How's that as far as 
EVs. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's um, a small percentage, which is hopefully will be rapidly growing. Got it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. No, no further comments here. Any other comments or questions, commissioners? All right, then um, I'd like to open up for public comment on item eight, the climate action plan. We're gonna take public comment in two parts um, for, for item eight and then again for item nine um, after we have a motion. So let's open up public comment on item eight, the climate action plan, please. Great, okay, I'll share the instructions for making a public comment on item eight up on the screen. And please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue and you will have three minutes to make your comment. And I am seeing that we have a caller in the queue. And so I will start the timer and unmute our caller now. Good evening again, commissioners. Uh, Eric Brooks with local grassroots organization, Our City, and the uh, statewide coalition, Californians for Energy Choice. Um, I just want to, you've all received it hopefully in the mail and, and from, or in the email and from your um, secretary, uh, the letter that 15 groups presented to you on local, a local clean energy build out. Um, please do consider this uh, official, uh, you know, kind of at the end of the process feedback on plugging this into your climate action plan. In many ways, it will help support the climate action plan. In some ways, it's crucial to the climate action plan that your staff has put forward, especially the equity, equity economic recovery and resilience pieces. Uh, I would say with confidence that all the groups that signed this letter would tell you that you can't get to those goals without a big local clean energy build-out plan and uh, focus and centralizing and localizing or decentralizing and localizing energy uh, in the city. And so please do, I'll just go over quickly the, the, uh, the basics of this. Uh, we wanna see within 10 years of a plan being developed this year, 100% uh, of San Francisco's electricity needs to be met within 10 years by locally and regionally installed clean energy generation, efficiency, storage, and microgrids. Uh, and the key objectives that need to happen with that are local jobs is the first one. Uh, San, San Francisco Local Agency Formation Commission received a report from Internex in 2015 that said that on, on a very kind of scaled down version of a local build out, not a full one like the one we're asking for, it would create at least 10,000 local jobs. That that kind of job production locally needs to happen, local and regional jobs. Uh, it, we could probably get much more than that with the program that the letter is asking for. Uh, environmental and climate justice needs to be plugged into this as the priority of the plan, making sure that communities of opportunity and communities that are marginalized get those jobs first and get the installations first and get the savings first. And because they're vulnerable to things like sea level rise and heat waves, they need to get uh, all these benefits first. And that needs to be preeminent. And once again, that's in your climate action plan. We don't think without a local build out plan, you can get there. And then the last one 
is getting away from using long-range transmission lines, localizing as much as possible so that we're not contributing to the danger of wildfires and so that we are reducing line loss, which is between 5 and 15 percent. Um, I can say a little more about this stuff in comment for the next item, but I wanted to just lay out those basics. And uh, please, like I said, do include this as feedback on your climate action plan. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. All right, and I'm not seeing any additional callers in the queue. All right, let's close public comment on that item. And now that we've um, done public comment on item eight, commissioners, is there any discussion on the proposed resolution? No discussion, but I'm happy to, do you, to approve. Do you need a motion first? We will need a motion before we go to public comment, yes. So if somebody wants to move, now would be a good time since it seems that there aren't any questions or comments. I'll move approval of the resolution. I'll second. All right, approved by commissioner, or moved by commissioner Sullivan and seconded by commissioner Wald. Let's move to public comment on this item now, Katie. All right, I'll put the instructions for making a public comment back up on the screen for anyone who would like to call in to comment on item nine. And please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue and you will have three minutes to make your comments. All right, and I am seeing that we have a caller in the queue. And so give me one second while I pull up the timer and I will start the timer and unmute our caller now. Good evening again, Commissioners Eric Brooks with Our City SF and uh, Californians for Energy Choice. Just wanted to say about the item itself and its details that um, it is all the objectives that you have put forward are good. They're uh, important progress and they're better than previous iterations. But it bears mentioning that if you look at the science, they're not strong enough yet. And so as we reassess this plan, we need to start ratcheting up so that we're getting to uh, climate goals that even the IPCC is saying that we need to get to. I mean, we just saw a huge piece of Antarctica break off, yet another one, the biggest one ever. <laughs> and if we don't make these uh, numbers more robust, then we're not gonna be doing our part to help get there. So even though this is great and it's progress, we need to push the envelope and do more. And the plan that we've put forward for a local build-out plan uh, will help you get there faster. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. All right, I'm not seeing any additional callers in the queue. Okay, public comments closed. Katie, call the roll call, please. All right. Okay, President Stevenson. Aye. Vice President Ahn. Aye. Commissioner Bermejo. Aye. Commissioner Sullivan. Aye. Commissioner Wald. Aye. And Commissioner Wan. Aye. The motion passes. Next item, please.
Okay, move on to item 10, department budget update and possible action regarding sending a letter to the mayor and board of supervisors addressing additional funding for equi equitable climate action. The sponsor is Heather Stevenson, commissioner, and the speaker is Deborah Raffel, director, and this item is for discussion and possible action. All right, so um, I wanna continue our budget discussions at this meeting tonight because as we've mentioned in prior meetings and different bu uh, budget discussions, you know, we're gonna just keep this drumbeat going. We're gonna keep pushing forward to make sure that the department has the funding that it needs to achieve the, the huge climate work that we have ahead of us. I mean, it's the perfect time for us to advocate for additional departmental funding. Um, we've already taken action, as you know, to show our support for making the budget whole and addressing long-term funding solutions. Tonight, I'd like to focus on what we as a commission can do to make sure the department has adequate funding for the incredible action plan that we just heard about. As you'll hear from Director Raffel, the mayor is about to submit her budget to the Board of Supervisors. So this is our chance to flex our commission's muscles and state our support once again for additional funding. In order to act on all of our climate commitments and make progress on our goals, the department needs to spend a lot less time looking for funding and more time getting to work. Our additional funding isn't going to solve the climate crisis, but it is going to help us kickstart an equitable climate action strategy and help us design a system where we're not constantly looking for money. In my decade on this commission, I've seen cycle after budget cycle where we're scraping together what we need to what we need in order to do this important work. And we just heard recently from Rich that, you know, there was another period of time in the climate action plan where we had to go scrape and pull together some funding to try to get that consultant. So I think that, you know, it just illustrates again and again that we need the money in a consistent, sustainable way to do this work. We've been really successful in doing so much with so little, but it's time to stop. It's time for a real solution. And that means taking these funding needs seriously. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Director Raffel to give you some additional context. Thank you, President thank Stevenson. And, and thank you commissioners for agendizing this um, topic. There probably is very little that is more important right now than thinking about how we fund the work that we say we need to do. So I'm going to ask Katie to put up a slide in a minute, but I, what I want to do is just give you a little update on where we are. So as you re might recall, when we did the budget discussion, we started the budget discussion pretty much in crisis, where we had a significant hole in our budget in our non-impound funded work. That meant that we were going to lose two staff members, two positions. And in our climate program, in our energy programs, that's a significant hit to those programs. Um, the mayor's office has assured us that we are whole. We have put in um, our budget, we have submitted our budget, they have submitted their budget to the controller's office that shows us at whole as whole. I can't guarantee that I understand how we are whole, but I'm understanding we are whole. So I'm going forward with that um, promise that I've gotten from assurance from the budget office. So that's great. And I'm super grateful for that. What it did, that whole journey of becoming whole, really pointed to the amount of energy that not just I am spending as director or my staff is spending, but also, frankly, the mayor's office is spending to try and make us whole when it's a teeny amount compared to the larger budget. And that it also pointed to the fact that when our funding is coming from work orders from other city departments, 
they're looking at this as their money and therefore what do they want from us as sort of a contractor versus a foundational source of money where we as a department choose, you as the commission can choose how we spend it, the mayor's office can direct how we spend it um, as opposed to another city department. So this budget process very much highlighted the pain points um, that the department is facing, but also how those pain points radiate out to other city agencies and honestly to the mayor's office. What also became clear was that we have this magnificent effort that we're completing in chapter nine update and the climate action plan, which you heard about today. You heard about how much engagement, how much investment the department and the community has made. And as well, you've heard over and over again, the angst is perhaps it's not even enough. So assuming that it is even enough, how do we pay for, pay for it? And so what we have been working with some supervisors on is an ask, uh, is a realization that the department needs this funding, that, that we need to solve the funding dilemma, that the, the funding dilemma for our department, so we're not spending so much time searching for funds and not doing the work. And of course, you know, that's the dilemma of all nonprofits. So it's not that the Department of the Environment is unique in feeling that but we're a city agency and we'd like to see that the city can help us um, have some security so we're not worrying about laying people off uh, when a grant ends or when a work order dries up. So there's that, but that isn't really that, if we all we solve is that, then we're not gonna make the progress we need on our climate action goals. What we need to do is figure out how, how we get real money into climate action. And I think Dan Flanagan is a wonderful example in his Prop E of how he and the community who were interested figured out a way to go to the voters to raise funds to fund for something that was very important to San Francisco residents. Now, in order to go before the voters, we, there's a lot more analysis that needs to happen and we don't have the funds to create that analysis, to do that, bringing together the great minds of the legal experts, the financial experts, the people who, um, the community members who wanna shape and craft how we spend money. I have been uh, talking with my fellow city agencies who are also thinking about going before the voters. So there are ways that we also need to work together, but we need to be a serious player at the table, not somebody who's begging for scraps. Or charity. So in order to put aside that kind of funding, uh, I've been talking with members of the Board of Supervisors and with community members. And what they came up with was a, a million dollars for climate. A million dollars for climate. And that is sort of a kickstarting element that would help fund this initiative to um, figure out how to do a ballot initiative or figure out how we find uh, stable funding for the department and for climate action, but also to involve the community more intentionally in co-creating that future rather than asking for support of a future we define, how do we bring in some of our wonderful nonprofit partners to co-create that future 
through what their nonprofits are calling an equitable clean energy hub, a place where, frankly, ideas like Eric Brooks can go and uh, be sorted through and looked at from the community's perspective and prioritized through all the other lens of the things that we need to do for existing buildings um, to act on Supervisor Mars incredible report that the budget legislative analyst did. So we, the board legislative analyst, sorry. Um, so there's, there's that, that's a pitch, a million dollars for climate. And I don't have a catchy title. I don't have the way to market it. I'm hoping that maybe you on the commission can put your heads together in some other way offline or perhaps work with President Stevenson to think about that. But there's already a movement out there for that that's coming from the community. And so the question I think that President Stevenson was thinking is, all right, great. What is the role of the commission? How can you join in that conversation? So uh, can you, Katie, show the one slide? Because I want to just show you the, sort of the timeline that we are working under. So. The mayor's budget is pretty well solid and is in the controller's office right now. Uh, it does not have that million dollars for climate in it, as far as I know. I mean, there are things that can happen outside of my knowledge, but um, so then it goes to the Board of Supervisors on June 1st, they get the budget. And of course, they're already thinking about all the different things they wanna do. They could decide um, this is where the decision would happen. Uh, to put that in um, the budget and make the case for this kind of both ongoing funding, which is the energy hub, and one-time funding, which is to do this analysis for a potential ballot initiative. So it's a combination of things under that million dollars. There's under no uncertain terms are we saying that a million dollars gets us a climate action plan implementation. It builds the launching pad. And um, there's our first committee hearing before uh, the budget committee is on June 14th. Generally what happens at that point is I get asked questions uh, and they, the budget committee starts to make its recommendations, starts to go back to the budget analyst and ask them to do things and then makes their decision June 21st. Uh, I would come back, they would have final, I would either agree with their assessment um, or challenge it. Generally, we always agree with the assessment that comes back on the 21st. And that's the end of our role in the budget process. And then there's the final deliberations at the end of the month in June where the, where the budget gets essentially completed. So it's a very compressed timeline between where we are now and the end of the budget process. But it wouldn't be the first time that anybody's hearing this. It's simply, what is there a role for the commission? And if so, what might that be? So that is sort of what I am. I'm happy to answer any questions as to the best of my ability. No, thank you. Thanks, Grace. Um, I don't think I have feedback happening. Um, I don't know if anyone else is hearing feedback. 
Okay, um, I have a few questions, mostly sort of tactical budget questions, because I understand how our budget process works. How does this, this million dollars isn't part of our budget request. It's going to come from supervisors as part of their budget suggestions, and then it just gets added to our budget through this process, or how does it, I mean, I, I know about supervisors having adbacks. I know that there's different mechanisms that they use. Is that what we're talking about with this? Or is this some sort of a part of a budget ask that they're going to ask to add to our department? It could be either one. It could okay. be either one. Yeah, supervisors have the ability um, to manipulate a certain percentage of the budget. They're already talking to the mayor about what's important to them. Um, so it... And then at the end of the day, they have some discretion where they they say, well, I want to add this back into the budget. And of course, for the mayor, this is is not easy. And I am very cognizant of that as a department head that I'm not, you know, the mayor made decisions, the mayor's office made really good decisions, tough decisions. Uh, I'm just responding now to what I see as a need for us and what I'm hearing both from the community and some from supervisors members. So the mechanism of how it ends up in our budget is a little bit obtuse to me in terms of where the money comes from and how it gets put there. Because frankly, this isn't something we've seen a lot for our department. Other departments have been at the center of these things a lot more than ours have. And then one other budget question that you may not have an answer to, but I understand because I follow Twitter, I read the Twitter, um, that there is a, a pretty decent amount of um, stimulus money and other kinds of money that is coming to the city. Is that just being wholesale added to our city budget and thus partitioned out as part of that? Or is it something that is sort of already earmarked independently that sits in a different bucket? So the way I understand this, and I sort of wish I had some other budget people here to give you more <laughs> confident information, the way I understand it is the mayor's office does understand how much stimulus money is expected to come in and allocates that within her budget. So that stimulus money is allocated to uh, priorities that the mayor has and that the mayor understands are priorities to the community. And so, and then the Board of Supervisors can sometimes disagree with that allocation. That's helpful, thanks. Yeah. All right, commissioners, questions, comments? Commissioner Wald. Um, I, I have a, a question, or maybe it's two. I'm wondering if you could explain how the million dollars might be allocated between the two things you've talked about. And second of all, I'm not sure that I understand the energy hub at all, but is the funding to establish it as opposed to keep it going? Or it, is it a permanent thing that we're going to have to figure out how to fund going forward? Just so I know how to think yeah. about this. It's kind of a yes to everything. So, um, and the energy hub was actually something that came, not came from our department. It came from the community. Uh, of, you know, when we, we've been working with community partners now ever since um, Eric Marr, Supervisor Eric Marr, had an energy efficiency coordinating committee many years, five years ago, six years ago, and uh, 
allowed us to work very closely with community-based organizations around energy efficiency um, and building upgrades. And so this is something that came out of that initiative five years ago that the community groups have been thinking about and polishing and growing. So to your first question, it would be about one-third, two-thirds. So one-third and, and one-third of the funding would go to a one-time allocation that would go to figuring out how we get a ballot initiative and how we, how we raise big bucks, you know, frankly. And then two-thirds would need to be ongoing funding because we don't want to create a hub and then have to scrape and beg, borrow and steal for a hub. So that two-thirds is uh, a combination of grants for environmental justice communities, uh, organizations. It's also for staff time and consultant time to create this hub that does multiple things, but it, it gets at a lot of the things that Eric Brooks was talking about, which was this need to look at, if we're gonna transition the built environment to be all electric, what are the different pieces that are gonna to need to be put in place? So we're gonna to need to educate contractors so that when you call somebody up and say, I really want a heat pump, I don't want you to put a natural gas water heater, they actually know what to do and they're familiar with it. We're going to need to uh, create workforce development opportunities for local hire. So we're gonna to need to work with partners like City College and OEWD to figure out how to train people to benefit from this work. We're going to need to uh, probably initiate policies at time for time of sale or other policy levers that we have to get things moving. And we're gonna also need to be able to fund our nonprofit partners um, to help us with the work, but also to distribute funding to underwrite the costs of some of these early adopters who we want to prioritize this switch. So there's a lot of different lever, there's a lot of different pieces to that part of the climate action plan. And this is focusing on one of the pieces of the climate action plan. Thanks. Because, yeah. 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 Oh, how how many years is this two thirds of the money supposed to last for? Um, well, it would have to be appropriated each year. So it would be it's the million dollars is not a one time. You know, uh, roughly um six hundred thousand would be ongoing. So it would be a way of offering, getting it a little bit of the foundational funding that our department needs a little bit um, to, to solidify that work because we know that work is ongoing. And hopefully what will happen is we will figure out the long-term funding need and then we can figure out how to allocate that money somewhere else. But I don't have, they're, they're linked together. So it's hard to say when one ends, but it is, it is is a significant ask. I mean, for our department, for the whole budget, it's not a big deal, but for our department, it's a significant ask. And it's saying, you know, you can't take it out of impound account. It's not, there's not a nexus, appropriate nexus. So how are we going to fund this work? Commissioner Sullivan. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's so exciting to hear an idea to solve the department's longstanding broken budget process. It's just so exciting and refreshing to hear an idea. And we're obviously a really long way from the idea to 
the end of the road, but it's so exciting to, 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 to hear the, the, the thought. Um, and so that's an observation. The, um, w asked, what can the commissioners do to help? And um, I think we should be able to help with advocacy. Um, the, there's so many claims on the, on the budget and um, so many um, you know, ideas for where money should be spent, but uh, this Board of Supervisors should be supportive of our efforts in, you know, as a, a city that's leading the effort on climate to, to make a difference. I can't think of anything that's more important than the work that this department is doing. So, um, you know, we, we all have contacts on the board and um, I'm happy to uh, be part of the, the effort uh, for outreach and communication um, to the, you know, to the best of my abilities. And I would think that uh, among the members of this group, there's a lot of, a lot of contacts that could be very helpful. So happy to, happy to help in that regard. If I may, Commissioner Sullivan, you know, I, I love that you are excited about the idea because for me, once we start this conversation of how to, how to really get something on the ballot, perhaps, or fine, this is where the commission can very much engage. You are, I could picture the commission being that convening spot for these conversations, bringing in experts. I mean, we're, we're probably, we'll have to do it a lot more frequently than our once a month policy committee meetings, but I could just, if, if you as commissioners were interested in thinking about that journey and how we get from where we are now to there, it's, it's gonna be an, an all-in kind of function for the department and for, and for the commission, frankly, I think. And just one more idea, if I may, that one of the reasons that I'm excited is that there is some precedent for this kind of thing in the environmental sort of sphere broadly, which is Prop E, which we talked about earlier today, um, not that long ago, uh, which passed with almost 80% of the vote uh, in 1996. And we have um, people that this department knows very well, um, Dan Flanagan, maybe we can reel him back out of retirement in a tiny way to, to give us uh, ideas. Um, Senator Scott Weiner was very involved with that, um, with that process and I'll bet would be happy to be helpful. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's exciting that there's, this has worked before and, and maybe it can work again. Mr. Owen. Just briefly, I'm, I'm supportive of exploring uh, and would also want to make sure as a commissioner that this conversation is equity driven. So uh, working alongside the nonprofit partners would very much like to be uh, engaged on that front. Commissioner Wall. Well, I'm definitely supportive of it. Also, uh, I would actually like to suggest that as part of it, we think about playing a hardball here, or a kind of hardball. Uh, I, I really think that part of this has got to be a sort of public calling out of whether or not the city is being hypocritical or not in what it is saying about its environmental commitment uh, and its uh, desire uh, to achieve these climate goals. I, I think 
that part of this effort should be an attempt to really make people understand that the department is what has made the city a leader on these issues. I loved when Tiffany said this is a department that cities around the world would kill to have. Um, that's absolutely true. And the department has done so much for the city in terms of providing everything that it's needed to achieve this preeminence around uh, the world. And I, I think our success in this really does depend on our making people understand the truth of that. And that, you know, if they, I think we should somehow signal to them that if, if they don't support this, we're going to call them on it. I mean, my fantasy is that we would all resign en masse in front of, you know, thousands of cameras and reporters. Um, we maybe don't have to be quite that dramatic, uh, but I, I think we need to do something out of the ordinary because the circumstances in which we are in which we find ourselves are so out of the ordinary and we can't play nice anymore. And because playing nice is what's gotten us the scraps. And I don't want scraps any more than Debbie does anymore. So that's my thinking on this. But, oh, one other thing. I, we can't talk to Commissioner Stevenson separately. You just know that. We have to figure out a way to, to, to operationalize whatever we're doing without making too many demands on the department, which has so many other things to do. Um, that, to me, is a key part of this campaign as well. So I... So I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said. I think that one of the things that strikes me about this whole conversation is that, you know, we're going and asking for a little bit of something so that we can create our own solution for funding. We're not going and saying, hey, can you give us these millions and millions and millions of dollars from the general fund so that we can enact the climate action plan that you asked us to create because you declared a climate emergency? Right, right. You know, we're not even asking for the money. We're asking for the money to get the money, right? Like this much yep, money yep. to get the money. So to me, that ask for this much money to get the money can be pointed, it can be fierce, and it can be very like full of advocacy and can still be somewhat nice, right? Like I think that I think that we can still go out and say, but this is where I think we all need to talk about this and figure out like what we want to do, because to your point, we need some sort of mechanism to go have this conversation we can't go like have a bunch of meetings and you know show up at our supervisors with all you know six or seven of us you know I, I think that we need to um be very serious about the fact that this is tiny it's a million dollars in a multi-billion dollar city budget that just got a whole bunch of stimulus funding i know the city has a million things to focus on but i don't know that there's one that's more urgent 
right? That, that, that actually has more of an existential like flavor to it. So um, I'm, I wholeheartedly support what Commissioner Wall just said. Um, and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on what sort of the mechanism could be. We've already written a letter. I know that we sent, um, we could do another letter and deliver it individually to all of our supervisors or to supervisors that we know we could help engage with community groups to go with us individually. Um, I think there's probably a lot of ways for us to try to push for this million dollars, which again, is tiny. Um, but I'm interested in everyone's thoughts. And I have to plug in my computer, so hold on. Any other commissioners have thoughts? I, I may I ask a question of the commission? So, you know, I, I think what is always helpful for me when I go to have a difficult conversation with someone, meaning it may be an inconvenient timing for them or they've got a lot on their mind, is I, I want to come prepared. And I want to come with a very succinct ask, and I want to understand um, what their solution might be. And I also think consistent messaging is really important. And so it could be that a letter as a starting point from President Stevenson may be a way to get you that information so that then you can have what you need to feel like you have the ability to take the next step. Um, there are community, you know, to Commissioner On's point, there are community organizations who are having meetings with supervisors. Um, they're not, it's not an infinite number of them. Um, we can, these are community organizations that have uh, presented at our commission meetings, at our policy committee meetings. They're, part, they're very well-established partners in the city. So I don't know if that's helpful, but that is something that, because this was a potential action item, that the commission can um, ask, give Commissioner President Stevenson the authority to sign that letter and not thinking that that's the end of the story, we're just gonna fire off another letter but it could be a helpful start or a tool. I don't know if it is. I propose as a starting point. Uh, and of course, you know, the timing is we're talking about what can be done in the next two weeks, right? So this isn't something to think about eventually. It's either dive in or wait till next year. So. Wald. Yes, Commissioner Wald. So I think the letter, as you've described it, Debbie, is a good idea. I also think maybe if we had a calendar that told us, uh, a Google calendar, for example, that told us when different groups are going to see different people, uh, different members of the Board of Supervisors, one or more of us, and certainly not the wrong two or three of us could could uh, show up uh, at those meetings to speak in support of this 
request. I think it would be terrific if someone could uh, write an op-ed. I would, you know, volunteer to help with that, although part of the next two weeks I'll be out of town. Uh, I think the, I think there's a finite list of things that we all, or many of us all sort of know we need to do in circumstances like this. And I, I think we should get that list together and then just try to execute it um, as, you know, promptly and as effectively as um, we can. I, I personally think that a, that an op-ed should be really high on that priority list. I think talking to Dan is a really good idea because I think he can probably give us, maybe he could give us his, the plan that he developed for Prop E and we could just start at the beginning. Uh, but, you know, um, and I also think I've, I've talked very briefly with this, about this with Debbie. I think that we should talk to some of the philanthropists in um, San Francisco for two reasons. One is because I think they might give us money, but also because I think that if we could get these people to support our request, it would be uh, meaningful. So that that's the third or maybe it's the fourth thing we should suggest is that we need to get together a list of people who have the ability to influence the mayor and members of the board to the extent that we can and see which of those people, you know, who are the environmentalists that, that they might uh, listen to. Starting with maybe Spur. I like that idea. I also wanna throw out there that um, I don't sit on any committees right now. So I can actually talk individually with anyone. So we, we can have conversations about some of these things. Um, I think you, we need to ask our lawyer about that, Heather. I'm sorry. I uh, my understanding is that Heather, we couldn't have control. lunch. What? Heather, we couldn't have lunch. We weren't so on. We were on the same committee. No, we weren't. Okay, well, we'll worry about that later. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's say yeah. we do the letter, and in the letter, do we actually lay out what the one million will break down into? Um, I think it would, I, I would um, probably, uh, Commissioner Wan, go with what the advocates are suggesting so that we're all consistent. So it would be fairly, it, I, my guess is it would be at the sort of level of what I just shared with you. It wouldn't be down to, you know, this position costs this much money, and but it would be, um, so because there are supervisors who've already heard this and have gotten this a level of detail. So if you feel like there were supervisors that were very interested, we could they could follow up with questions too that they had. Now I'm just putting myself in the shoes of doing budget advocacy, kind of like yep. what 
commissioner on set, the different group will go and talk with different supervisors and usually then what kind of information do we need? And we definitely will have to know some history and background who could possibly be allies. Um, there's some strategic sessions we need to figure out, I think. Right. Or, or even if we just had some fact sheets with some bullet points, you know, so that, you know, they say who is in this with you. So we could say what those groups are, for example, who you've already talked to. So we knew yeah. who those supervisors were. I have a lot of experience looking like a fool in these kinds of meetings, so, but maybe the rest of you wouldn't feel so comfortable. <laughs> yeah, well, Commissioner Wan does, you know, she under, you understand what, because it's, you wouldn't be the only group, right? I mean, you can just imagine how many other groups are doing the same thing. So, um, uh, okay, so what I'm, well, President Stevenson, are you, I'm hearing that a letter is a great start, and I'm also hearing that putting together some more information on the groups that we've been working with, um, and then, you know, it would really be up to you if you, as individuals, were going to reach out to them on your own, you know, if you knew somebody in those, and had a brainstorm with them, you know, on how to coordinate. So. Yeah, so I hear support for using a letter as a mechanism to um, consolidate messaging, make sure that we're all going with the same ask so that the work that we do potentially in partnership with community groups to our supervisors to do this ask is coordinated and, and has the same story. Um, so I hear support from Commissioner Wald on that. Commissioner, do you want to make a motion that we do that? And then see if we can get a second. Um, and then maybe we can open up to public comment and hear from anyone in the public that might want to weigh in on this. And help. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I moved that we have a letter sent by you, Chair Stevenson, uh, that we use is, as you described, both to inform uh, the members of the board and the mayor, uh, the feelings of the members of this commission, but also as a mechanism to ensure that our, um, that we're all on the same page, uh, both as a commission and in terms of our partners. If I could actually interject, um, I think just uh, if we could include also the content of the letter and just set some um, guidelines for in the motion, just what would be included in the letter, um, that would be great. I mean, the guidelines around asking for a million like the, Just the content of the letter, yeah. So not the language, but just the topic. Correct, yeah. Just so we have some parameters okay. of what the, what the letter should include and- so, um, what we're it. asking for, uh, how much the total is, what we're going to do with it, um, who the community groups, some, maybe all, that, that we are working with, and a lot of it about what they have done to get us to this position, namely they de declared a climate crisis, 
said they want a climate plan and what they haven't done, which is give the department enough money to do the job it's been given. Do I hear a second? I will second that very good and important motion. All right, can we open it up to public comments? We can maybe hear from some of these community members. Yes. yes. All right, I'll share the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen. Please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue and you will have three minutes to make your comment. And I do see that we have a couple callers in the queue and so I will start the timer and unmute our first caller now. Good evening once again, Commissioners Eric Brooks with Our City San Francisco and Californians for Energy Choice. First, I want to agree with Commissioner Wald that the time for fooling around is over and we need to make some demands of our city government, uh, especially with regard to funding Department of the Environment and, and what it's been mandated to do. Uh, <clears throat> I'm happy to say that I was part of the coalition lobby teams that talked over Zoom over the last couple of months with a lot of supervisors and uh, made, you know, demanded that your funding not be cut, first of all, that it be expanded and talk to them about the hub and things like that. And by the way, we also were, are pushing, were and are pushing for, uh, uh, in the next budget cycle, over $100 million for climate in San Francisco. That's just 1% of the budget. And so the fact that you guys in this first effort are only asking for a tenth of a percent is notable and should be said to these legislators. <laughs> it's a really tiny amount. And uh, so I just want to know, want you to know that the community is ready to get behind you for, to ask for a lot more and so that this stuff can get done. Um, specifically to Commissioner Stevenson, when we spoke to the supervisors, one of the big things we heard was that the current stimulus money is just going to be able to fill holes in the budget that were caused by the corona crisis and the economic crisis that began a little bit before the virus crisis. And so what that means is we need to get the funds from the upcoming infrastructure bill that the president and the Congress is telling us they're going to pass. And that's where that $100 million would come from. And like I said, we are ready to fight with you to get that. Um, the last thing that I want to say is something that hasn't been brought up and is probably, I think, is the most important subject to talk about. Get your staff to work on this as they work on the Climate Action Plan, as they work on things like the local build-out plan that my coalition has put forward to you, and that is two key words, revenue bonds. They're the same type of bonds that you use to build a troll bridge. I mean, a toll bridge, not a troll bridge. Uh, and that is the letter that I delivered to you about the local build-out plan. That would not come from the city budget. That would come from revenue bonds and would pay for itself because solar and wind and renewables and efficiency and battery storage are now cost-competitive with fossil fuels and bring in their own revenues to pay for themselves. So a lot of the things that you need to do as an agency can be accomplished through revenue bonds, and you need to really get your staff dedicated uh, to doing, to looking at that possibility. And usually, to make that possible, you need a big community-wide program like the local build-out that our letter um, puts puts forward to you. 
Um, I would also say that back in the day, we started fighting for, <clears throat> my coalition started fighting for Clean Power SF way back in 2004 and 2005. And as we struggled to get that thing off the ground, it was key that the uh, Department of the Environment and the Environment Commission said, we can't reach our climate goals without Clean Power SF. It was your agency that helped us get that program off the ground, and it's your agency that help, can help us get to the next step of this local build-out, which will be so key to all the rest of this uh, stuff being met. So just once again, we're ready to get your back on asking for $100 million or more for the city to use on climate. And uh, please, uh, if you would, connect my email with Richard Chen and Cindy Comerford so that I, my coalition is also communicating back and forth about all this stuff. And thank you for putting this forward. Please uh, do send that letter, and we wholeheartedly support that effort. Thank you for your comment. All right, I will unmute our next caller and start the timer now. Hello, commissioners. This is Joni Eisen, a member of the um, San Francisco Climate Emergency Coalition. Um, I kind of was going to echo the, the things that Eric said. Um, I'm thrilled to hear you all talk about this finally. As the climate emergency gets worse, it's so time for SFE to step up for more funding, and as it shouldn't have to be a significant ask for, for your department, considering that the climate is everything. The climate is what holds us all together. But anyway, I just I wanted to let you know the Climate Emergency Coalition, the Sierra Club, and constituents have, over the past few weeks, been visiting almost every um, supervisor with these very asks that Debbie was talking about. And um, the first one, restore the cuts to funding, they almost all said, oh, that'll happen. And they were pretty supportive of the several hundred thousand to do a study to even figure out what the cap might cost to implement. And an important part of that study is to figure out possible funding streams. Um, you know, this is like Debbie. This is just to get everything started. This is kickstarting. This is tiny. It's just, it's just kickstart. And then the the clean energy equity hub also is a natural follow up to um, passing the legislation for um, all electric new construction because now we have to work on existing buildings and 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 uh, to make this equitable, an equitable trans transition it needs a lot of help people need help with education as debbie said contractors need education job training local jobs that hub can get started for like 500,000 the first year the same amount the next year and then between the study and the hub they can figure out what it should be ongoing funding so also the federal money yeah like eric said um perhaps the stimulus but um we were saying 136 million which is 1% for climate, it's 1% of the 2020 to 2021 budget. Um, and we would be happy, uh, the co oh yes, and the coalition also submitted budget proposals which had those same things. If you wanted to see what we submitted, I'm happy to give it to you because we have bullet points and everything. And we also would be happy to meet again after the mayor has submitted her proposal June 1st. If you all wanted to come to, meet, come to meetings with us, that would be great. Um, so, like Eric said, yes, we are behind you all the way. This is major for us. This is so important. And thank you so much for bringing it to the forefront. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for your comment. All right. 
I will unmute our next caller and start the timer now. Hi, my name is Sarah Greenwald, um, San Franciscan, 25 years. I just want to say, uh, well, a couple things. It's, it's very exciting to see the SFE speak up and insist on what it needs to have in order to do what must be done. It does seem that a million for climate is a great slogan, but that's tiny. You need to think a hundredfold bigger, hundred hundredfold for climate. And really that's, as people have been saying, that's a small percentage. But you know, um, it's easy for us to despair about the climate as the news is getting worse and worse and the, the resolutions are flowing freely and the action on the money is not flowing freely. So to see you all, Taking this action is really terribly heartening. And what I want to leave you with is that you've got to stand up and shout. It's a small step, but you're taking your first step, so it's a really big deal. That's all. Thanks. Thank you for your comment. Right now, I'm not seeing any additional callers in the queue. All right, let's close public comment. Commissioners, any other conversation or questions before we go to a vote? All right, let's do a roll call vote then, Katie. All right, President Stevenson. Aye. Vice President Ahn. Aye. Commissioner Bermejo. Oh, I see that. Commissioner, that's right. Commissioner Bermejo had to leave. Um, Commissioner Sullivan. Aye. Commissioner Wald? Aye. And Commissioner Wan? Aye. All right, the motion passes. Next item, please, Katie. All right, moving on to item 11, director's report. The speaker is Deborah Raffel, director, and the explanatory document is the director's report, and this item is for discussion. Wow, it's kind of hard to, to follow that. Um, I'm just so moved by the public comment um, and by your all of your reactions and just the urgency that I feel uh, and that I know you feel along with me and everyone on this call feels. So my director's report is uh, fairly brief. I will just say that uh, April was Climate Action Month. This is our first full commission meeting since then. President Stevenson uh, in her opening remarks beautifully summarized it. I just want to say how much fun it was and how um, inspiring it was for me to watch the team pull together and get creative in terms of how to bring fun and authenticity and action and engagement in a, in a virtual setting. That is so not easy. So you heard from Gianna who runs our school education program. She was phenomenal in pulling together a uh, San Francisco Youth Climate Action Summit, a full day of events. And Commissioner Juan was uh, there part of that. It was really wonderful. I loved hearing you speak, Commissioner Juan. It was, it was just warm my heart. Um, we had amazing numbers in terms of people who interacted with us, in terms of numbers of impressions and clicks and participants. Uh, we had 125 events. You know, they were, there was, and they ran the gamut. And I think President Stevenson uh, talked about that. I, 
I just want to say how grateful I am for my staff. Um, I know Sean is still on the call, Cindy's here, Gianna, and so many more of the team who put their heart and soul into, into making Climate Action Month fun. Next year, who knows? <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to have an in-person event and a virtual event. I think it's going to be tough to figure out what to do next year, but we will, we will get there. The other thing that my team is uh, very focused on right now is getting back in the office. So our goal is to be completely unpacked and ready to return to the office by the end of June. We still have, nobody's come back in and unpacked their stuff, everything's sitting in boxes. So by the end, we're gonna be spending the next five weeks really uh, intently unpacking and getting ready in a safe way. And then we will have a period of time where people may come back into the office. And then uh, at some point, uh, September 7th is my best estimate right now after Labor Day, we will have a must come back into the office. So some way of combination of telecommute and in-person. Uh, and we will be working through that with staff in um, taking into account people's concerns, uh, but letting people know what to expect so they can start planning their lives. It's very important uh, to the mayor's office and the mayor that the city staff repopulate the city, that we come and come to work and go out to lunch and run errands and um, make the Civic Center feel like a welcoming place. So we have an important role to play in that as well as uh, an opportunity to be more flexible. And I will, let you know more details when I know them. As you, you may know, uh, the Board of Supervisors is planning in June 15th to have in-person full board meetings, but committee meetings, commission meetings are all still remote until further notice. I don't know, and I have no idea when that actually changes. We're hoping to get instructions on the statewide level from Cal OSHA in terms of how many people, how much distance do you actually need to have in an indoor setting. Once that statewide guidance comes in, then the city Department of Public Health takes it and makes it San Francisco specific. So we're all waiting for some more information. The last thing I will just say that we've been working a lot on is our racial equity action plan. Uh, so phase one is internally focused. We have 103 actions. We have assigned owners to all 103 actions and 70% of them are in progress already. So we've, we're, not, we're, we're not slowing down, we're, we're working on them. And now we're going to be bringing on a consultant to help with a few of the actions that where a consultant is the owner. And uh, it'll be very exciting to see some of the progress that we'll be able to report back to you on the implementation for phase one internally focused. Phase two, externally focused. Uh, that is where we're waiting for, on the one hand, we're waiting for guidance from the Office of Racial Equity. On the other hand, we're all, we're getting trained on our racial equity tools. We're using them to analyze our programs. And we're thinking about how we institutionalize our work with community-based organizations in a more meaningful, intentional, and co-creational way. So a, a lot of exciting energy around that, that you will that I will continue to keep you posted on. It's a journey. There's no, there's no end here. It's just, it's a journey. And that's it. Commissioner.
Right. I'll share the instructions for making the public comment up on the screen for anyone who would like to call in to comment on this item, which is the director's report. Please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue and you will have three minutes to make your comment. I'm not seeing any callers in the queue currently, but we'll take a brief pause in case anyone would like to call in. And I'm not seeing any callers in the queue. All right, next item, please. All right. Moving on to item 12, committee reports, and this item is for discussion. All right, Commissioner Sullivan, do you want to give a report, please, on the policy committee? Sure, happy to. Since the last full commission meeting, the policy committee met on April 12th and on May 10th. On April 12th, we were joined by Anne-Marie Rogers and Lisa Chen from the Planning Department for a great presentation and discussion on the update to the general plan and the environmental justice communities map. On May 10th, we had a presentation uh, on a recently approved medium and heavy duty truck blueprint grant, as well as the proposed updates to chapter nine that we discussed earlier today. That's the report. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Wan, is there an operations committee report? Yes, um, the operations committee met on April 21st. We had a presentation from Peter Barstow on the department's work with the Treasure Island Development Authority on Yuba Buena Island and Treasure Island. We get a first hand to see how, um, uh, how the islands will be like, will be redeveloped and with all the green structure. Um, and then we also heard from, the a, uh, from Asia Mishak on the new sfrecycles.org. Uh, web app and we encourage everybody to check it out. It's pretty amazing. And we have some great idea about maybe we can do a snapshot of a photo with an image that we can find where to recycle, but that might be something in the future, but that's very interesting. And then we ended the meeting with a discussion about the committee's um, ramatage along the land acknowledgement and agree on a statement to be read at our meetings moving forward. And that's the report. Thank you very much. Any questions, commissioners? All right, let's move to public comment, please. All right, I've just put the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen. And just a reminder, public comment should be re related to this item, which is the committee reports. And please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue and you'll have three minutes to make your comment. And I do see that we have one commenter in the queue. And so I will start the timer and unmute our caller now. Good evening again, commissioners. Eric Brooks this time, specifically representing uh, um, um, the local grassroots organization, Our City San Francisco. Um, <clears throat> regarding the Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island uh, details, it's good to see that the policy committee is working on that. Uh, another coalition that I uh, helped build has been meeting with Supervisor Haney uh, and talking about with him, and we had a hearing on February 8th in the Land Use Committee. I'd really, it's a long hearing, but I would recommend that you all look at that because what we're unpacking with Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island is that just uh, Tetra Tech and other contractors like Shaw 
just as in the Bayview Hunters Point, uh, have been involved in not properly doing uh, cleanup of toxic and reporting about toxic and radioactive chemicals on Yerba Buena Island and, and uh, Treasure Island. So it's important that the Department of the Environment learn about what came out in that February 8th hearing. Uh, one of the main uh, things that came out about that was finally getting admission from the Department, the California Department of Public Health, that the cleanup wasn't done properly. It was the first time they've ever really uh, publicly admitted that. So this, we were making key new progress on this, and anything that the Department of the Environment does in relation to Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island, where there's also issues with underground storage tanks and fuel lines and who knows whether they were uh, observed and cleaned up properly, um, we need uh, you all to be aware of that. So please talk to Supervisor Haney's office about it, and please also uh, have some staff at least slug through that long hearing on February 8th of uh, this year so that you're learning about that. And then I have other comments on another issue that I'll bring up during your item 14 new, new and future agenda items. Thank you for your comment. Okay, I'm not seeing any callers in the queue. All right, next item, please. All right. Moving on to item 13, announcements, and this item is for discussion. Commissioners, are there any announcements? All right, public comment, please. All right, I'll put the instructions back up on the screen. And please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue and you will have three minutes to make your comment. And I'm not seeing anyone in the queue currently, but we'll take another brief pause. All right, I'm not seeing any callers in the queue. All right, let's move to the next item, please. All right. Moving on to item 14, new business and future agenda items. The speaker is Katie Chancellor, Commission Affairs Officer, and this item is for discussion. All right, Katie, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Uh, okay, so our next commission meeting is on Tuesday, July 27th. The next policy committee meeting is on Monday, June 14th. And the next operations committee meeting is on Wednesday, July 21st. Um, some potential agenda items that we are considering for upcoming meetings include a presentation on the fixed lead SF program, an update on the SFCTA congestion pricing initiative, um, as well as an overview of the energy access, energy access SF program. Um, and then before we know it, it will be time to review the reduced risk pesticide list uh, once again. Um, so that's it. I'm happy to answer any questions. Commissioners, any questions or other items? Katie, I would love some help figuring out from uh, the city attorney whether or not um, two of us can go see supervisors together and have conversations around the budget. Um, just a little bit more clarity on that um, would be very helpful. Yep, I can definitely get that. Thank you. All right, let's go to public comment then. All right, 
I'll put the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen in case anyone would like to call in to comment on this item, which was uh, new business and future agenda items. And one second, let me check our queue. I do see that we have a caller. And so let me uh, start the timer and unmute our caller now. Good evening, one last time. Commissioners, Eric Brooks representing Our City San Francisco and Californians for Energy Choice. So <clears throat> I want to propose for future agendas and reiterate something that I said before that, in my view, is the, the key to advancing our climate goals and clean energy goals in the city and efficiency and building efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. And that is revenue bond financing. That is crucial. It's not a big part of the discussion. So please, as commissioners, give direction to your staff, give direction to the policy and operations committees to start talking about how we use revenue bonds to fund large community-wide and neighborhood-wide programs uh, so that we don't have to bring money out of the general fund to fund these things and can instead just fund them from the, revo re uh, the revenues that they create. As an example, the, the project, the local build-out project that we're putting before you tonight, um, that will cost upwards of probably $2 billion with a B. You can't do that from the general fund. You need to do that with revenue bond financing. And so it's really important that the staff and the committees and this uh, committee get start getting its hands around and its head around this issue of revenue bonds so that we can actually meet all these goals that we're rightly demanding that our city give us the money to do it with. And that is a big piece of getting that money. So if you can please make sure that that becomes part of the conversation in your hearings and in your uh, committees that, and with your staff, that is my most important ask of you of the evening. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. We do not have any additional callers in the queue. All right, then next item, please. All right, moving on to item 15, adjournment. And with that, the time is 7.48 PM. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you.